You know, we speak a lot about, uh, we speak often, I should say, about abiding in Christ, but we haven't spoken about it recently. So I would like this morning for us to think about the one thing that keeps us from abiding in Christ. And it's based on Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. The greatest command in scripture, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall have none before me. Now, why do you think that was the first of the Ten Commandments? Why not put it at the end? If he had put it at the end, maybe we can remember the last one. (laughs) Why did he put it in the middle? But God put it in the very beginning because he knew that if we didn't obey the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me, it would be impossible to keep the other nine. Impossible. Will, in his greeting today, mentioned the fact that, quoted from Genesis, that God made man in his image. Well, he did. He made Adam in his very image. But we're told in that text that he made God, Adam in his image and in his likeness. In his image meant that he, could, he had the attributes of God. He could build, he could create, he could design, he could think, he could love, he could hate. All the attributes of God Adam had. The animals didn't have those attributes, but man had those attributes. But he was also made in the likeness of God. He had the spirit of God. He had the nature of God. He had the personality of God. And we're told that the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The second, Adam, who was Christ, was made a life-giving spirit. The first man is of the earth, earthly. And the second man, who is Jesus, is the Lord from heaven. And the scripture goes on to say that as we have resembled the earthly we shall also at some day resemble the heavenly, meaning we shall resemble Christ. But what happened? Adam had no other gods other than Father. He had no gods, but he lived in perfect communion and fellowship and harmony with God. And then one guy, God said, you know, it's not good for man to be alone. Nowhere in Scripture did it say Adam was lonely. Nowhere. But God had an agenda. God wanted a race of men and women. So God created Eve, took Eve out of Adam. And everything that was in Adam, a portion of that went to Eve. That, those things that you and I consider feminine, they went to Eve. And those things that you and I consider masculine stayed in Adam. But they were all in God. They were all in Adam before Eve was formed. Things that are lovely, things that are soft, things that are gentle, things that you and I consider feminine, are in God. He's the one who created the flowers. He's the one who created scents and smells. And those were all in Jesus. But Adam lost more than a rib to Eve. He lost half of his essence. And then God put them both together again, and together they were what Adam was before he was divided. Now, God told Adam, you know, you can eat in any tree you want, in the garden, except that one over there. 
tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He says, the day you eat of that tree, you will die. And I think we all know the story. One day Eve was walking by the tree. She looked at it. She saw it was delightful. The servant started talking to her. And she ate. But it's very interesting in Scripture. The Scripture says Eve was deceived. Eve was deceived. Now, just by the very nature and definition of deception, that means she didn't know what she was doing. She was tricked. How can you say if she was tricked? God said don't do it. Well, we don't know how she was tricked, but she was deceived. And through her deception, sin came into the world. But nowhere in Scripture does it say Eve sinned. It says Eve was deceived. And through her, sin came into the world. But now we look at Adam. And he's sitting there looking at his wife who has been deceived and is taken of this forbidden fruit. And what's he going to do? He has a choice. He can stay one with his heavenly father and trust father to work this situation out. You know, God gave him this woman. God can certainly fix this situation. Or he's going to choose to be one with Eve. So Adam is actually the first person to break this first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me, because he basically put Eve before himself. And in placing Eve before himself, before he put Eve before God, Adam and all creation fell with him. The moment he did that, Adam died. He didn't die physically, but he died to the nature of God. The Spirit of God left him. And we're told that Adam had offspring in his own image after his own likeness. So all who came after Adam still had the image of God. We could build, we could create, we could think, we could love, we could hate. But we had the likeness of Adam. And that likeness is soiled and flawed and it's filled with pride, it's filled with corruption, it seeks its own way, and it has absolutely no appetite for God. So, when God gives the Ten Commandments to the children of Israel, it's impossible for them to really keep them, because the truth of the matter is they have no appetite for God. Because they have the nature of Adam, broken, flawed, seeks its own way, and self-seeking. And idols came forward. When we talk about abiding, what do we abide in? We abide in idols. We abide in things that we think give us life. We seek truth and solace and security. God created us with a great need for Him. But without Him... What does man do? Man turns to things created instead of the creator, worships things made by man and not the creator. He worships silver. He worships gold. And those who worship them become just like them. They become hard and cold and without life. That was the plight of man. And then God, but God, broke in to history and sent his son Christ to die on a cross and gave an invitation to those who he'd chosen to accept him. And throughout the centuries, 
men and women have come into the household of God through the blood and sacrifice of Christ, which we celebrated this morning. But what happened the day you invited Christ into your heart? Well, what happened that day was the nature of Adam was put to death. That's Romans 6, 6. The old man was crucified in Christ that the body of sin might be destroyed. And the next thing that happened is God recreated you, he recreated me, he gave us a new life. He took away our heart of stone, he gave us a heart of flesh, he wrote his law upon our heart. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creation, old things have passed away, behold, all things become new. And we're told that the new man is created in righteousness and holiness. Righteousness, the sum of all that's good, and holiness, the absence of all that's evil. We got a new package. The problem is, brothers and sisters, that this new man that we have, that now desires to do the will of God, doesn't have the strength in himself or in herself to do the good he or she wants to do, and this new man doesn't have the strength to not do the bad he doesn't want to do. And this is what you find in Romans 7. Paul says every day, he, he, first of all, he says, in my, he says in me, then he corrects himself and he says, in my flesh. And flesh is the carcass of the old man. In my flesh dwells no good thing. He says, every day I find myself doing the things I don't want to do and not doing the things I want to do. Now, if I do what I don't want to do and don't do what I want to do, he says, it proves it's not me. It's sin that dwells in me. It's an infection, but it's in my flesh. It's no longer me. It's just an infection in me. And he kind of ends that chapter by saying, you know, who's going to deliver me from this dilemma with my mind? I serve the law of God with my flesh, the law of sin. And then he gets into 8, one and says, good news, brothers and sisters, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk after, who do not abide in the flesh, but abide in the spirit for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. But what does it mean to abide in the flesh? Well, unfortunately, because you and I walked, in my case, I walked 20 years before I became a Christian. I had developed a lot of attachments to things of this world to bring me satisfaction, to bring me encouragement, to be life-giving, and the moment Christ came in my heart, that was wonderful, and I was changed, and I did have new desires, but I had old habits. I had old addictions. I was addicted to the things of this world because I had drawn my life from the things of this world before I could draw my life from Christ. So your pilgrimage and my pilgrimage and our maturity is learning to discover all those things that we idolize, all those things that we abide in, all those things that we draw life from, all those things that we look to for encouragement that are not Christ or God. Because when we do that, what are we doing? We are putting another God before him. What are common gods that we put before him? Number one, usually it's ourself. 
How easy is it to wake up in the morning and the first thing you look at is yourself? My plans, my schedule, my agenda, what I want to do. And then my relationship with God is kind of like, well, Father, will you help me do the things I want to do, go the places I want to go, become that which I want to become? Self is a huge idol. People. Placing people before our Father. Has anybody done anything this week to please man? Have you said something that you thought somebody wanted to hear? Had you, have you not said something, some truth, because you were afraid what would happen if you said that? A great idol in this world is to please men. And finally, things. Things. Things are attractive. A new car, a new house, a new ring. The scriptures tell us, love not the world nor the things of this world. For he who loves the world becomes an enemy of God. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life are not of the Father but of the world. And the world is passing away. And what is the lust of the flesh? It's physical, uncontrolled, unbridled appetites for earthly satisfiers. Lust of the eye. The things we want, the things we desire to have for happiness, for peace, for life, security, a solace, apart from Christ. And finally, the pride of life. What is the pride of life? Well, it's just wanting to be recognized. It's wanting to be acknowledged for who we are, what we have, what we've done, who we know, what we look like. That's the pride of life. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. And it blocks, it blocks us from abiding in Christ. It blocks us from serving him and him alone. It blocks us from keeping the first commandment, you shall have no other God before me. Now, let me say briefly what happens if we do have other gods before him. Well, first of all, your life and my life will be filled with fear and worry. <laughs> because if you and I are abiding in things other than God, those things every day are moving and breaking. And every day we are spending our lives' energies trying to keep those things in order. Whether it's to try to keep that the right stock portfolio, whether it's try to keep the right job, whether it's try to keep the right temperature in the house, whatever it is, we become control freaks. We try to control our environment that is constantly changing, constantly moving. And what happens to your life in my life? Jesus says, he who seeks to save his life loses it. But whoever loosens his life into my hands will save it. Having other gods other than gods require maintenance. <laughs> Those things that we have affection for become our very afflictions. I didn't have this little electric car two weeks and I'm with my wife and we go over to Yosemite and I mean, I'm not talking about a Mercedes. I'm talking about a little electric car. 
<laughs> but anyway, I got in this driveway that was kind of steep and going down, and Kathy had bought some stuff, and she had put it on the seat in front of me, so I tried to put on the brake. I couldn't get to the brake because this pack was under my foot. And we, we just kind of took the, made a terrible gash in this car. And uh, I said, oh, Kathy, I'm so sorry, because I bought this car for her. She said, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. I was free. I mean, I'm sorry I put that dent in that car. In fact, I haven't fixed it to this day. It's just a remembrance. I look at that thing and remind me that, you know, by the grace of God, that didn't cause me to have a bad day because I was not idolizing that car. But there are times in my life where I would idolize a car or something like that, and when something happened to it, it would spoil my day. And life is full of little things like that. And God says, give me your heart. Give me your heart. And when things move and things break, you won't move, you won't break with them. If you and I have idols, we will live a life of fear, a life of worry, and we will lose our life every day. Most men get up and think about the same thing every morning that they thought about the day before. What am I going to do if I wake up with no left arm? How am I going to make life with a right arm? What if I wake up tomorrow with no legs? How am I going to make it? What if I wake up tomorrow and all my money's gone? How am I going to make it? What if, what if, what if? And then we take plans. We make plans how we're going to survive in this hostile world. God tells us, you know, I feed the birds. I clothe the flowers. You can give me your future. Give yourself to me in the present. The thing that empowers this new man that we have to do the good he or she wants to do and not do the things that he or she doesn't want to do is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes into us and empowers us when we have no other gods before him. Now you may say, okay, I'm going to go home and resolve to have no other gods before you. You know, that's, <laughs> that's not going to work. You know what the first lie that Satan planted in Adam was? You can be man without God, basically. You know what the lie, a very subtle lie, and probably the biggest lie that Satan gives us as believers every day? You can do it. You can keep the first commandment. You can be a Christian. You can live a Christian life. You can refrain from this, you can refrain from that, you can love your wife as Christ loved the church, you can do that. And then we get all up and, okay, I'm going to go do that. It's kind of like a New Year's resolution, how's that working for you? <laughs> we can't. Jesus said, apart from my Father, I can do nothing. This is the third person of the Trinity. Apart from him, I can do nothing. And he looks at each of us and says, apart from me, you can do nothing. The only difference between Christ and each of us is Christ never tried to do anything apart from his Father. Yet we have lived in independence and self-sufficiency. Every morning I pray, 
Father, I've been proud, wanted to be like you. Not in righteousness, but in power and position and activity. Not in the goodness of your personality, but in the greatness of your being. I confess my self-sufficiency. I've wanted to be man without you, apart from you, independent of you. I confess my idolatry. I've placed myself, I've placed people, I've placed things before you. And adultery, uncontrolled, unbridled appetites for earthly satisfiers. I confess all those sins as, all, as well as all sins of thought, word, and deed. <laughs> and thank you that you have forgiven me in Christ. But Father, you told me that I can't obey the first commandment. You told me that I can't love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, but you've commanded me to do so. So how is that going to happen? Just pray, Father, it's my desire to have no other gods before you. It's my desire for you to have all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my strength, all of my life. Will you take that? And then the Holy Spirit comes in and he empowers you and I to abide in the Father. But it's not your strength, it's not my strength, it's not your resolve, it's not my resolve. It's our prayer that he answers. It's our brokenness. The apostle said, Paul tells us, as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him. How did you and I receive him? It was a hand of a beggar reaching out to a king. We brought nothing to the table for our salvation other than need. Nothing. And he said, in the same manner that you brought nothing to the table other than need to, get, to receive your salvation, in the same way, continue to walk in him. Every day of your life, every day of my life, the first thing we need to confess is, I can't. And then he smiles and says, I never said you could. But then he smiles again. He said, I always said I would. Trust me. So we'll close with a reminder of the picture of the greatest commandment in Scripture. You shall have no other gods before me, but that is encapsulated in abide in me. Because to abide in him is to have no other gods before him and to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it's followed by the greatest promise in Scripture, I will abide in you. And when you're riding home today and you kind of feel that flesh rising up, just quote Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives but it's Christ who lives in me. Lord Jesus, be that husband to my wife. Lord Jesus, be that father, mother to my children. Lord Jesus, be that employee, that employer. Lord Jesus, be that brother, be that sister. Lord Jesus, I need you to live your life through me. I am tired of trying to be a Christian. <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm a Christian. I can't do anything about that. You save me. I'm, try, I'm tired of trying to live the Christian life in my own strength. Take it. Take it. Please live your life through me. That's what Jesus wants us to do. Let me pray for us. Father, uh, we thank you for um, giving us a great commandment that we can't keep. Because like all things, because we can't, it, it shows us our need and brings us to you. And I thank you that you created us so needy that we can't do anything apart from you. We can't even sin 
unless you give us strength and breath and life to do that, and we don't want to do that. So I thank you that you created us vulnerable. I thank you that you created us needy. But I thank you that you have given us a place to go and a person to go to with our needs, to you, to the cross for our salvation, to you, to fill us with your spirit and your life. And Father, now we just pray that you would love yourself through us, you would trust yourself through us, you would think your thoughts through us, you would desire your will through us, you would speak your words through us, you would just live your life through us. In the name of your Son, we pray. Amen.